Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hi guys, I'm May and welcome to the second season of Phenomenal and Asian, a podcast aimed to redefine the Asian stereotype and share inspirational stories of those doing phenomenal things. This week's Phenomenal Asian is Kelvin Tan, an Irish chef currently working at two-star Michelin restaurant Sat Baines. Kelvin and I talk about his upbringing in Ireland, his super inspiring journey as a chef, and his most recent success on Instagram. He creates and shares the most delicious, authentic Chinese dishes that anyone can follow. And although he's a professional chef, he only started cooking Chinese food a year ago. I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. I mean, who doesn't love an Irish accent? Hello. Calvin. <gasps> Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can, I can. Oh, I'm so happy we finally connected. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Have you just come back? Where were you? I just I went into town because uh, I had to go to the Chinese supermarket to buy some black vinegar, some sweet black vinegar. Mm. Um, so basically, I got some pig's trotters Ooh. and I got like pig's hock, the, you know, the leg part. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've had it, but it's a Cantonese dish. It's uh, Usually women have it when they... After Ooh. they give birth. Yes, the... I remember. My, my, my dad was <laughs> trying to force it on my sister-in-law. She was like, what? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I just really want to have it. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you just crave that today. Yeah, I was like, because I, I, it's, it's been on my mind for quite some time. And I remember having it as a kid. And uh, I rang my old man, I think, two days ago. And I said, Dad, I've got this trotter. What else do I need? And he's like, oh, you need to get... Sweet vinegar, some black vinegar, and loads of ginger, and that's it. So I went oh, down. Amazing. Yeah, I went down, and um, I didn't know which vinegar to get, so I had to ask the woman in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and she was looking at me, because I obviously, I Googled the dish. I was like, I want to eat this. And then the woman was like, because obviously she's old, you know, she's like, that's for pregnant women. And I was like, yeah, but I want to eat it, you know? <laughs> 
Oh my god, that's hilarious! That's hilarious. I love how we can talk about this stuff as well. Like, you know, if you're talking it to this with your white friends, they're like, "What are you talking about? Why are you eating pig strutter?" I know, I know. Oh, so yeah, um, that's that's about it. That's the highlight of my okay, day. Well, I'm very excited. You need to send me some pictures of this. This the finished. Is this the dinner tonight? Uh, yeah, I'll have it on the go. I might, I might not eat it till tomorrow or something because I'll maybe I leave the rest overnight. And let the flavors infuse, but Ooh. we'll see how hungry I am. I think when you when we messaged on Instagram, you were telling me obviously that you're Irish. Was it Chinese Paddy? Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening. I, I think I can't remember what the episode was, but you were on about yeah. There's no Chinese boys or something around. And I was yeah. Like, I was like, what are you on about? Here I am. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the one person, the one guy. I found you. <laughs> So, yeah, and I mean, not my... only that, you're Irish, which is like I I do have a kind of um, like for some reason all of my ex boyfriends have been Irish, and my <laughs> current boyfriend is Irish. So yeah, we... so you got to think you got to think for Irish things, exactly, for Irish people. In. Exactly. So yeah, Chinese Paddy is just throwing me all off. I don't know. I don't know what to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, look, I think there's a well far and few between. So. <laughs> I, I, I I always say like I'm as rare as the leprechauns. You might have a better chance finding a leprechaun than another Chinese Irish <laughs> person. So where I guess were you born in Ireland then? Or like, yeah, what what tell me tell me kind of let's go back to when you were Yeah, so um I was born in Malaysia. Okay, okay. Uh, so I'm Chinese Malaysian. <laughs> um my grandparents on my mum's side come from uh, Fuchin province in China. Mm-hmm. And on my dad's side, my great-grandparents come from uh, Chaosan region in Guangdong province. Um, but both my parents were born in Malaysia. They met, then I was born there. Uh, but I moved to Ireland when I was three. Um, Sorry, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the <laughs> reason being is um, my uncle was studying at Trinity University in Dublin. And he dropped out. He didn't finish his studies. He could speak English, ended up working in a Chinese restaurant in Dublin, up to restaurant manager position. And then after a couple of years, decided to open his own business. And uh, at the time, my mum and my dad just got married. My dad, was he's a chef. He's been cooking since he was 12. And uh, he, my uncle rang home. And they, my granny said, look, your sister just got married to a really good chef. And then that's how my dad moved to Ireland. He moved over first, obviously, to learn how to cook the, the British Chinese food, you know, because he cooks authentic food at home. <laughs> and he had to come and kind of learn the style of cooking. Um, while then, my mum was like kind of like taking care of, so we had two restaurants, one, two in Malaysia, one in Singapore. And then eventually my dad just goes, look, just sell the business, just sell up and come, come to Ireland. And uh, th- that's it, the rest is history. So that's how, that's how I came to Ireland. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And tell me, I guess, what it was like growing up in Dublin. I mean, I thought that obviously growing up in Oxford was rare enough, but I can imagine Dublin is really... Um, well, I, I didn't grow up in Dublin, but I... Sorry, outside, yeah. Yeah, so the town that I grew up in is uh, Conmavon. Uh, and it's a really small town. It's a kind of commuter town to Dublin. Um, there wasn't many, like, Chinese... There was, there was one other Chinese takeaway and restaurant uh, called the China Garden. And there was my uncle's place, and then there was my place. So there was this three of us in town. Obviously, now I think there's maybe 10, eight, or maybe eight, nine, or 10. I don't, I don't know, to be honest. 
I know my uncle is still there and the China Garden is still there. So they're like the longest ones in, in there. Um, and it's quite diverse now, I guess. But when I was growing up, it was very, very white. Um, mm. You know, I was the only person of colour at school, you know, primary school. And I guess, yeah, it was just, yeah, there was no one else really. <laughs> so, and did you notice you were different? As in like, was there something or you kind of, didn't really realize that until you were older I knew I always knew it was different you know because I knew I knew I was Chinese because at home I could hear my parents speaking Mandarin uh, or they would watch Cantonese on TV you know so I knew it was, wasn't English um, obviously I looked different from the other kids too you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess because all my friends were like very good friends to me they didn't make me feel different, you know. Oh, that's of... good. Okay, so you weren't bullied, or oh, of course, I experienced bullying from like there were some dickheads. Like there was, you know, there's some older kids who were just arseholes. But my mother would come out, like even even in the in the, the housing estate when I'd be hanging out, like kicking ball with the kids, and like obviously someone would come along, and maybe start calling me Ching Chong or whatnot. But then I go home and home crying, mom, mom, mom. Oh. <laughs> And then my mother would come out. My mother fucking was so fierce. I <laughs> love that with the feather duster. And then, then like my mom would like obviously give the guy a bollockin, but then she gave me a bollockin too. She goes, "Why are you crying? You shouldn't be crying." <laughs> so I, I, I learned how to um, grow a thick skin, I suppose. What did you think about you growing up? Did you kind of not know what you wanted to do? I guess um, I went to secondary school. Um, and then it was like, we, it's that point that you have to apply for university. What course do you want to do? What do you want to study? So uh, obviously it was, I was working in the takeaway. I was working there a lot. And I kind of thought maybe I was going to take it over. Um, mm. So I figured like, you know, business studies would be a good option to study at university. Um, give me like a, I don't know, I just figured that would be a good choice. And I spoke to my career guidance teacher and she said, well, you can study business and hotel management. Um, there's a course down in down in Shannon, so it's like the southwest of Ireland mm. that teaches hotel management. But they also like you'll graduate with a, a degree in commerce. So I was like, oh, that sounds good, you know, because I got hospitality experience kind of, and um, I did that. And then by doing that, I kind of discovered that I really like being in the kitchen. I like being a chef. I think it was more so that I missed missed my dad's food from being mm-hmm. away. Because uh, obviously I was spoiled, you know. Uh, my auntie was a very good home cook. My father was a very good chef. So whether I was at home or whether I was in the, at the restaurant, there was always good food. Right? Mm, I mean, I was going to say the Irish cuisine is is in terms of flavour very it's different. Bl- <laughs> yeah, it's bland. It's it's bland. It's bland. Yeah. It's bland as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's. I would, like Ireland has got some amazing producer and amazing produce, but in terms of like cuisine, spices and yeah, it's fucking shite to be honest. Like, <laughs> like and and a lot of old like the older generation like, um, they'd like their steaks well done. Mm, yeah, you know, they want chicken breast and it has to be yeah. well done. You but you better boil the shit out of that broccoli. It better be brown before it comes. It's probably just convenience for them. You know, they they eat <laughs> to live. Exactly. No, they, yeah. they, they, they live. They, we whereas we would eat, live, live, live to we, eat. Yeah. We live to eat. Yeah, I say so. But then now I'm saying that I know some. I know some Asian people who are very simple and just couldn't be fussed about food. That's true. No, that is true. 
that is uh, very true. But but the, the food scene in Ireland is changing. I see a lot of like yeah uh, producers, really good restaurants popping up mm. now, and it's kind of it's kind of like piquing my interest because I've been in the UK now ten years. I came here to learn my craft, and at the time I thought the UK would have been better, and that was you know in terms of like uh, reputations of restaurants, you know like the, yeah, the yeah. fine end. But I think it's changing now. So then you, I guess, went to your career advisor and hospitality. That made sense. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, so obviously the, doing that at university, they were kind of training you to become future future general managers of hotel because running a hotel is essentially running a business, right? Mm-hmm. But you would do, like, different departments of the hotel. Um, so I got a little taste of, like, the restaurant service. Thing. I already knew about that. I knew about kitchen but I never kind of, I, I, when I was working with my dad, I was always working in the front, like taking mm-hmm. orders and stuff. Um, so when I actually went to Shannon to study this, I was working in a kitchen. But I know everyone was really scared of the kitchen. Everyone's like so intimidated by knives and stuff like that. <laughs> I wasn't, but it was all fascinating to me. Even though it wasn't Chinese food, it was like all European food that I was learning. Like, you know, French techniques, French, uh, how you cut vegetables, you know, all the French terminologies and stuff like that. So it was very, very interesting to me. And I was like, you know, I really enjoyed this. I felt really comfortable, you know, I felt really, mm. this is this is cool. And then obviously going on like industry placements uh, was part of my part of my course. So it was like three years academic, two years practical. And going um, to Belgium for my second year placement, because I studied French at uni, uh, they put me in a hotel, which allowed me to do like housekeeping, uh, restaurant, kitchen and stewarding, which is the, the wash up. And my favorite was the kitchen. I, I loved it so much. Like it was my first three months, mm. and it, it re- and it taught me French. Like because obviously, a lot of chefs are not very. You don't have to be very like edu- you don't have to be educated to be a chef, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think maybe maybe nowadays kids will maybe go and study culinary, but generally I think anyone can become become a chef as long as you've got a really good work ethic and a good attitude. You you will succeed, I think. Mm. So you can imagine like there's a lot of these people. I think a lot of immigrants as well that were in kitchens that couldn't speak English and they were shouting at me. They were like, you know, <laughs> uh, like simple things. I was like, oh, what so how do you say? communicate? Oh, I had, I learned, I learned. Oh, okay. You had to very, learn quick. very fast. Oh yeah. And they took me by the hand to the fridge and they were like telling me, showing me vegetables and showing me pieces of meat and telling me what they were in French. Like, so you would like, okay, 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 okay. You remember, you remember, you remember. So the next day when they start shouting at you again, you run, you know where to run and you know where to oh, go. Wow. And so wait, you you can speak French now? Uh it's, it's been many years since I haven't practiced, but I, I wouldn't start kitchen, like, kitchen French, like I, I, vegetables. I could, <laughs> vegetables, street French, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the swear words. Yeah, like if, if you put me on the street in France, I think they would think, Oh Jesus Christ, this guy's a local. You're so right. You are probably learning about all these sorts of different cultures. You're traveling. It's a very kind of varied job. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on what you want to cook as well, you know. Because when I when I graduated, I said obviously through different industry placements, and it it was actually on a. I went to, one summer. I went to the Seychelles, so our university had a partnership with the the Seychelles government, and they would send some of their students over to get their degree in Ireland. And then they allowed us, they like granted us visas to go there to Seychelles to work um, for summer, you know, kind of because you got all these luxury villas, you know, with these like beautiful golden beaches and mm-hmm. clear blue seas. And so we went over for a summer. And I remember 
I was working in F and B. F and B entailed uh, the bar mainly. Right. But I, I saw I, I saw the F and B director, and I said to him, "I go look, I'm here for a month. Is, is there any chance I could do like two weeks in the kitchen and two weeks in the bar? Because obviously my time's limited, you know, and I really fancy the kitchen." And he goes, oh, "Yeah, no problem. Sort that for you." <clears throat> so I did the two weeks in the kitchen, and I was going to do like my month in front office guest relations mm-hmm. or something like that and I was just like and it was the only department of the hotel I haven't covered yet so I really wanted to do it because in my mind I was like I need to experience all sectors of a hotel if I want to be a GM right but then in my heart I was like fuck front office go to the kitchen you know you love it man you love the kitchen I was like so I, uh, I spoke to the chef before I left I said look I meant to go to the front office for a month but I really looked like the kitchen can I stay for a month and he obviously knew, he could see I worked really well. I was eager, I was enthusiastic, I was very passionate about it. And he, he said, yeah, no problem. And he, he hooked me up. So I stayed wow. an extra month in the kitchen. And then I remember like one day I was sitting, I went home, I was sitting on the beach, I was staying out into the sunset. Like it was just so picturesque. And I was just like, you know what? This is it, I'm gonna be a chef. This is, this is what, that was that point in my life. I was like- How old are yeah. you? How old am I now? Sorry, when you, when you had that. Uh, that was back in 2000 and 2010. What am I now? It was... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm 32. I'm 32. No, because you were like 20s, in your 20s, in your early 20s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, yeah, so when I, when I graduated, I was 23. So maybe 21, 22, something right, like okay. that. But that's amazing that you found your passion, you found your purpose so early on, because I think so many people struggle to, to even know what they enjoy. Oh, well, I felt a, a, little, a little bit disadvantaged as well because when I got into the industry, I was 23. So I, I, I made sure I graduated. You know, I wasn't going to just drop out. I said, you know, I'll finish, I'll get my degree and then I'll just apply for... I was basically... What, what, the, the options were to maybe go back and study it again, like do a culinary degree, but I wasn't going to do that because I'd already just done a degree in business. All I needed was like the practical element of it. Mm. So I spoke to my chef lecturer and I go look well what's my best way into the in- to become a chef and he goes you can either go down to Ballymaloo which is down in Cork it's like this well-renowned what's quite famous around the world actually uh, intense cooking course like they teach you how to grow vegetables they teach you how to forage they teach you how to bake how to cook oh I think I've heard of that is it quite prestigious yeah like yeah. it's Ballymaloo yeah. it's it's the Allen family so you got Doreen right. Allen and yeah. Merkel Allen and all them um well, it was like 10 grand or something like that for an intense course. So I was just like, I couldn't go back to my old man. I couldn't be like, yo, dad, I know you support me just like for five years at uni. Any chance could I get 10 grand off you to, you know, send me to that to this yeah. course? <laughs> Especially, <laughs> oh my God, I tell you to get it. So the other option was to just go straight into the industry, find someone who would just employ me and learn on the job. And that's what I did. I just I did, I did that. I just saw where everyone else was going because obviously there's mm. all hotels coming to our college to, to hook people up with like management training programs. And I just saw where everyone else was going. I was like, oh, well, Glen Eagles. Oh, maybe I'll apply for there. And then that's how I moved to the UK. I moved to Glen Eagles in Scotland. Oh, wow. Back in uh, 2011. So in terms of, I mean, what do you call it? Chefing? Is that right? No. Yeah, a chef. You're a chef. A chef. Okay. Do you do you have to kind of stay in one place and work your way up or so, you can switch around? It, it depends, you know. I mean, 
nowadays I think a lot of kids would, would go and study cooking at catering colleges and things like that and that's that's a good kind of base to have because it teaches you like classical French um, techniques and stuff like that because when you go when you go into the industry a lot of restaurants don't even teach you these things mm, because cooking has, has evolved so much over the but years. But do you need that, to know that? Do you need to know the classical French? I, I, I think I, oh, you don't really need it but I've noticed that the the very strong chefs the very skilled chefs have a very classic foundation um whereas like the younger chefs that don't study that maybe just kind of bounce from one restaurant to the next restaurant you know they don't have a good grounding mm. you can see they they have shortages in their skill set I see um, well it depends on you I guess as a person do you want to stay in one place you know where the chef will teach you a lot of different things you know pastry skills bread making skills you know, butchery of meat, filleting of fish. You know, all of these are skills, right, that you don't really learn until you stay in one place for quite some time. Uh, because I think a lot of young people have got this idea of, well, I'll do a year here, I'll do a year there. They kind of want to glory hunt CV uh, because it looks amazing. And it's like, but then, you know, obviously, they think it looks good at the time, but when they actually want to settle down into a place, when people see you're bunny hopping from here to there, you probably won't get a job. If you go, you just want to glory hunt a CV. Yeah. No, you don't want to, you actually, you're not very serious about your career, you know? So any, any, I suppose any advice I could give to a young chef or anyone who wants to get into the industry is find someone who is willing to teach you, you know, you know, the food is good and they're going to teach you and spend a good two, three years even there, you know? And then after that, if, if you want to move on and see something new, then move, see something new. Tell us what you're kind of doing now. Bring us, bring us to, um, to today. All right, so I was at Glen Eagles. Uh, I spent a year there, and then I moved to London after that. Uh, I worked at the Savoy Hotel. Um, oh, so wow. I moved there in 2012 uh, in time for the Olympics. And I remember it was such a great time because I was like, wow, everyone's so happy in London. Everyone's <laughs> smiling. The sun was amazing. The sun was out. And then when the Olympics ended, it started raining. Everybody was miserable. And I was like, oh, this is London. I fucking hate London. Because <laughs> you got to imagine, right? I'm come from Ireland where everyone's so friendly and everyone will chat to anybody, right? Then I moved to Scotland where everyone's the same. Then to move to London, it was like, sorry, mate. No, we don't talk. You know, keep your mouth closed in this tube. <laughs> and, your, and your Irish accent probably just confused everyone. As well. They're like, who is this weirdo? Who is this guy? Um, so I was a year at Savoy, and then after that, I went to a place in Richmond. Richmond, really? Richmond, yeah, I lived in Petersham. Um, it was like a five-minute walk from the restaurant. The restaurant is called Dice at Petersham. Mm. Um, it's. I spent uh, three and a half years there, and that's the place where I really learned how to cook. Wow. Yeah. Um, head chef was Irish, so we kind of connected straight away. But, and is this where you were the sous chef or? No, I was commie chef, just commie chef. Um, okay. And that just means like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> on the, like uh, the very bottom. Like. Right, okay. So the kitchen hierarchy, I suppose you have like um, an apprentice, which would be like mm-hmm. a 16 year old. Then you have a commie chef. Then you'll have a chef de party, which means a chef running a section. And then you have a sous chef and then head chef. So I spent three and a half years with Ken at the Dysart. I really learned how to cook. That's where I was really introduced to gastronomy mm. um, because uh, hotels were all well and good. You know, I was cooking nice food, but I felt it wasn't about the food. 
it was more about the customer. And you were running around like headless chicken sometimes for these arsehole celebrities, which <laughs> I was just like, what am I doing? Like, what, you know, I'm, I, I, this is not why I became a chef. And I, get, I, went, I became a chef because I wanted to learn how to cook just really good food. So I figured I'd get into like, you know, Michelin uh, restaurants or something like that. And Ken at the time didn't have a Michelin star, but I already had went for like trials around the city and loads of places. I had like, I had offers for um, Ramsey's, uh, for Sketch. I had Ducasse. Uh, oh my God, Robichon. amazing. But I turned them all down to work for Ken because what I saw in Ken's, what I tasted in his food fucking blew me away. I was like, it was so under the radar. It was just so, he was just such a nice guy. And just everything about him was very, he never shouted. He was very calm. He was just, he was just a nice guy. And he just wanted to cook really nice food. Whereas on all these other kitchens, it was all machoism. Yeah. It was about how, how fucking hard you're going to push. It was this old school, toxic French environment. You know, this is, this is, this is what most majority of kitchens are like. Mm. And it's, what, it's, not, it's not what food should be about, right? No. So I guess I dodged a bullet with that one and to an extent. And I went to work for Ken. Um, and yeah, he showed me ingredients that I never knew about. You know, he showed me, we were buying stuff direct from France. Um, we had a supplier who literally like would go to Runji's market in, in Paris, buy wow. and bring it the next morning to us. So we were using premium produce like, and we, because we, we didn't have any stars or didn't have much accolades at the time we didn't charge that much for it so it was an absolute bargain for what people were, people were getting um, that's so interesting three and a half years with ken he pushed me for competitions he encouraged me to do all the kind of these things and then I, I decided to move on from there i went to the ritz i decided look you know what? I'll, I'll give the hotel one more go um because i won a competition and I, one of the winners was also from the ritz and we kind of got chatting and uh I said to him, well, what's it like? You know, at the time, the Ritz didn't have a Michelin star, but I knew it was not going to have really good food. The pastry looked really sharp. It was classical French. It just really appealed to me, you know. Um, and I went there. I didn't really like it, to be honest. I got a shock because it was that toxic kitchen yeah. environment that I was talking about. Because I was coming from a small team of like four chefs. Me, head chef, sous chef, and someone else. To a, a brigade of 60 you know, seven-day operation. It was savage. 60. It, 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 it was savage. There was room service. There was functions. There was there was all, everything and anything you can imagine. And it was a little bit overwhelming, to be honest. Um, and I was just very unhappy. I just, I was, yeah, because I, 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 I was living in Richmond, which is great. You know, it was like being in London, but not being in London. And then when I, I mean, went to the... Yeah, hard hours, I guess. Yeah, and then when I went to the Ritz, obviously I, I hate the tube. So I, I decided to move to Marleybone. Um, not a smart move. Like my rent was, I couldn't. I, I technically shouldn't have moved because <laughs> <laughs> I had no life. My my rent was like, oh, oh god, my yeah. god. <laughs> we were, I don't know anyone who lives in Marleybone. Yeah, you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decided to get out of London. I was like, I just said I had I had enough one day. I remember ringing my old head chef. Kind of hoping like you would take me back. I, I was like, chef, I'm, I'm fucking broken uh, and I don't know what to do. And he was like, why don't you just get out of London? You know, there's loads of other good chefs up and down the country. Uh, and he, because he's a Rue scholar and he's like, look, I'm going to the Rue scholarship like next week and I can meet up with all the other scholars and 
maybe I can ask a couple of them, do they have any positions available? So I was like, oh, sound chef, that'd be brilliant, you know? And he did that. And he recommended I should go talk to Sat Baines, uh, Nottingham. So we, I emailed, and then I emailed to John, the head chef. And John was like, yeah, come up for a day, you know, come up for a trial shift. And I was like, well, you're only a four-day operation, so I'll book a holiday and I'll come up for the week, you know, so I can see what, what it's like, what it's really like, you know. And I did that. I, I, moved, I took a holiday from the Ritz, went up to Knott's for four days. Uh, I was lucky because when I went to, again, one of these other winners from the competition I spoke about previously, he was from Nottingham, so he gave me a place to stay. Uh, he really supported me, so I really appreciate that. Um, and I did I did the week, I did the trial. And then on the last day, he just, the head chef goes, I want you to cook me and Sap a sweet and a savory dish. And I was like, all right, okay. And this is a two-star Michelin restaurant, okay? I've never prior to this worked in a two-star restaurant so I was, I was fucking shit myself and I was like because Sat Baines is a very famous I think he's well known I think most people within the industry would know Sat Baines in the UK for sure definitely even worldwide I think he's got a good reputation so in my mind I'm like fucking hell I'm cooking for Sat Baines and John Freeman what am I gonna cook like the whole day, I'm just shitting myself, you know. I'm sorry, they they that's all they say. They're like a sweet and a sour. Like, what do they sweet? That's sweet, all they say. Cook, cook a sweet and a savory dish. A one sweet, sweet and dish a savory. and one oh. savory dish. This is like Master Chef. This is like kind of yeah, kind of like Ready Steady Cook or something like that. And I was like, wow. I was like, fuck my life. Do you know what I mean? I had no <laughs> recipe. None of my recipe books at me or nothing. So I was like going on an instinct of my cooking over the years because. Normally, I write all my recipes down for all the places I've worked. But I didn't bring mm. that with me. I didn't think to bring it with me. Oh, God. So I had to cook an instinct. And um, I cooked a vegetarian dish because it was summertime. And I remember they had an urban garden. And the, the garden was full of vegetables, full of beautiful flowers, edible flowers and herbs. And I was like, I want to represent this as a dish because this is, this is the season right now. This is when everything is right in its prime, you know. And I remember all the chefs were kind of coming in and out of the prep kitchen where I was where I was based, and they were like, "What are you cooking, chef?" And I was like, "Oh, this is my savory dish. It's a vegetarian dish. It's going to have a light summary broth to it, you know, basically highlight everything they have in the garden and stuff like that." And then a lot of them were kind of going, "You're not cooking any protein." And like, there's ducks there, there's scallops there, there's pig, you know. And they were, that was added pressure. And I was like, "Oh bollocks, maybe I should," <laughs> you know. And I was going to alter my dish. I was going to change it. And then one chef came in and he was like, mate, do you believe in it? And I go, I do. You know, I saw the garden and I want to represent that. And then he goes, then just fuck, fuck, the, fuck the rest of them. Just do it. You know, if you believe in it, do it. So I did it. And uh, I did that and I did a beautiful dessert. It was a simple dessert. It was like a panna cotta uh, infused with uh, sweet woodruff. So it was a herb that was growing in the garden. Uh, so woodruff has kind of got an almond flavor to it. And I just had like a raspberry compote and it's like a walnut granola on the top. Like nothing fancy, just but just tasty and Good. done really well. Tasty, you know? yeah. Um, and I got the job. Oh, so this is literally the best story. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I went back to London, had my notice in, and I moved up to Nottingham a couple of months later. And oh, I've been here since August 2017. No, what an incredible, honestly, such an incredible story and journey, like... Yeah. Congratulations to getting there. <laughs> like, honestly, that is so cool. 
this is exactly why I wanted to do my podcast, just to meet people like you who are doing incredible things. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just working. Like, it's, it's no, just... you're not. No, you've got to give yourself some credit there. I don't so... know. I don't. It's just, a, it's just a job. It's just a job. Obviously, the pandemic must have, you know, screwed things up a little bit. They're still paying you. Is that right? Like... Yeah, so they kept all this, the... My boss kept everyone on furlough. Uh, I kept the mm-hmm, team on. Mm-hmm. And COVID is... Okay, COVID is a bad... COVID fucked the world up. And a lot of people died and stuff like that. And it's been really bad. And I'm sure people have been suffering. But for me, I kind of see COVID as almost a blessing. If that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I got to go home. Um, I got to take a break from this industry. Uh, 10 years of just working the way I worked. I never took a break in between jobs. It was always mm-hmm. one job to the next. And they would only take holidays when they allowed me to take holidays, kind of. And it was only a maximum of two weeks. And most of the time, I took those two weeks and I went to work somewhere else for work experience. That's how much, that's how hungry I was. Wow. Um, so then, yeah, going home was like, was like being a kid again, you know. <laughs> dad, dad was cooking for me every day. He was so happy that I was home. You know, he was up in the morning making fresh noodles, making oh. bao. You know, and I, I'd wake up like like a little prince at like 11 o'clock, you know what I mean? Like rolling out of bed. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could smell the food, you know? And I'd come down the stairs and there'd be like table full of food and I'd eat that. And then he'd already be cooking like lunch or dinner. And I'm like, geez, dad. So I was loving it. I was like, fucking hell, this is amazing. So I wanted to record all of this food that was like basically my childhood, right? And... I want, and that's why I started doing it on my Instagram because I used to never post. Yeah. And I also kind of knew that when, when, when they said the coronavirus came from China, straight away I knew, I was like, for fuck's sake. You know, I was like, you know, all the racist shit that I had as a kid, like mm. towards Chinese culture, towards Chinese people, Asian, whatever. It was, it was, I knew this was going to come back, you know? And I was like, I guess my way of like kind of promoting Chinese culture, highlighting Chinese culture to an extent it's like true food right and um so I was like kind of taking pictures of my dad's cooking writing the histories of the dishes you know like the origins what it means to me what, you know I, I kind of give a little anecdote of maybe I remember this dish as a kid and I kind of built it up like that so I was doing that every day kind of gave me motivation as well because obviously being a chef like I'm used to working 15 hours a day and then suddenly you're stopped, you're doing nothing, you know, mm. you're sat in your arse. And I was like, what am I doing? I had nothing to, to look forward to. And then this was it, it just kind of got me going. I was like, right, every day I'll do a new post. I'll show a new dish, I'll cook something or dad will cook something. And that's how it started. Wow. And yeah, I was like March, April, March, April, 2020, I had like 700 followers. Now I'm looking at, I think over 6K. Yeah. I so, mean, <laughs> yeah. No, that is that is obviously incredible, and and you're so right. Like I I haven't actually come across that many Asian chef Instagrams. Um, so there was definitely like you were kind of one of the first few that I've seen, and it does take you back. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of suddenly like, oh my god, like all of that food looks incredible. It's nostalgic but, for people. Yeah, and it, it really because, is. because a lot a lot of us live busy lives and we move away from home, and you don't learn these skill sets from your parents. 
Like, you're so right. right. You're so right. Like um, I can't even cook one Chinese dish. Like, <laughs> like, but, and I get, but you know, I I wish that my dad did teach me all of this stuff. But you're so right. You know, life kind of happens, and then yeah, that's why I said COVID was a blessing for me because I got yeah. to go home, and it's kind of made me appreciate the food that I grew up with, and it's made me realize, you know, this is why I became a chef because this is what I miss. These are the flavors that I missed. I, I like, but uh, I guess deep down, a part of me would one day like to have my own restaurant for sure. Yeah. Where yeah. and when, I don't know. I mean, the smart move would probably be doing it somewhere in the UK because I think I've, 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 I've trained here for 10 years. So I've got a bit of um, a presence or what, what, you know, so if I opened up, there would people kind of hear about it. Whereas if I went back to Ireland to do it people wouldn't know who I am or what haven't been there for t- over 10 years. Do you know what I mean? So, But do you not think there could be a gap there? Like, I mean... Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to go back to Ireland. I'd love to be just like... I right. think that's it. We just need to... We just need to... I mean, obviously, I've got history with lots of Irish <laughs> <laughs> men. <laughs> you know, I can... We can start a movement here. We can start a campaign. We can... You know, you can essentially have the first Michelin-style restaurant, Chinese restaurant in Ireland. You see, this is the thing. Can you can you make that food that I cook on my Instagram fine dining? Yeah. I, yes, you can. But who, but would would the Asian aunties and uncles come? They won't. No. They would tell you, "Hey, young man, get the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can cook that all myself." Have you been to many like Michelin star restaurants in London that are Asian? I think um, I've been to one. I can't remember what it was called. So I've been to Hakkasan. Yeah, Hakkasan. Yeah. To, uh, Yaocha. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to A Wong tomorrow for lunch. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got a last minute table today. It was literally oh, like that's how I posted it. I got a table for two tomorrow, and I knew I'm going back to work soon. And normally, all restaurants like when 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 we go back to work, we close Sunday, Mondays, Tuesdays, and normally all the other mission style places close as well, same time. Mm. So I was like, look, I haven't been in A Wong since I've left London. Like, I I I, I actually I have never been to A Wong since he won his first star, but I've mm-hmm. been to A Wong I think five times prior to him winning a star right, right, right. I, I, I saw his vision like when I went in straight away and I ate his food I, I, I knew what his, his his plan I could see it you know I was like I know, I know where he wants to take Chinese food and I guess I, I kept on bringing like I brought anytime family was in town I would bring them I'm like oh check this out this is amazing but they did they didn't get it you know they just go oh, I'd rather go to Chinatown you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to see what you're going to end up doing and and I'm sure going to make waves in the Asian, not only Asian community, but Asian Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's Phenomenal and Asian podcast. I'll be releasing new episodes every week. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow us on Instagram at phenomenal.asian for all the latest updates.